1: Welcome to the Roadwire NFL podcast. I'm your host, John McCagney, joined as always by Mario Puig. We are sponsored and presented by our friends over at Winbet. We got a lot to get to today. Obviously, it's been roster cutdown week across the NFL. And also, Mario and I have been participating in the prestigious fantasy pentathlon put on by, by Derek Van Riper. We we put a hold on it last year, but it's back uh for this year. A lot of big names, a lot of fun. Uh, people in that league, you know, Scott Pianowski, Davis Maddox, Sammy Reed, bunch of good, good uh players in there, a lot of sharp players in there. So we'll get into our super flex auction that Mario and I participated in earlier on in this week. So uh, again, a ton to get to here. Uh, Mario, I want to kick things off. Um, we've seen some slight changes, some shifts, some adjustments to kind of outlooks for for given teams position groups over the last week or so and i think indianapolis is kind of one i where i want to start in light of the ty hilton injury so uh with that in mind first of all how good are you feeling about your paris hilton share or not paris hilton, uh, very good john very yeah, yeah you good. gotta be uh, yeah i'm okay. doing well guys i caught a red eye this morning <laughs> but um yeah paris uh paris campbell how you feeling
2: oh fine i mean i stopped Getting more shares whenever that Wentz news came down because I already had a bunch and I I still probably have a lot more than most people. I think he's uh, you know hopefully less dependent on good quarterback play than the guys who might run further downfield. Not to rule out Paris Campbell going downfield because he actually might be their best deep threat, especially with Hilton out. So uh, the idea that Campbell is strictly an underneath guy isn't true, but uh, in that capacity, he's definitely good and hopefully uh Wentz on one leg Eason whoever it is can get him those routes and if, if he can get anything going further than like 12 yards downfield that'll just be gravy and uh yeah it's it's a con I think it's more of a concern uh, I'm still more concerned for Pittman like I don't, I don't have Pittman ranked higher than Campbell because of Hilton getting hurt or uh you know uh, Pascal getting where I had Hilton it's not I'm not really responding to that way it's just like Pascal and Pittman are the same guys to me. Campbell's the same guy to me. Campbell was the only one I was buying, um, even among Hilton. He was the only Col- the Campbell was the only Colts receiver I was buying uh, for the price because j- I just didn't. I-, I see bad vibes with Carson Wentz, and I- and so yep. I-, I was going kind of with what I thought was the cheapest and also best option. But uh, don't need any more exposure there.
1: <laughs> okay, no, that's a- that's a fair summation. Um, yeah, I could definitely see where there's just kind of a knee jerk reaction, especially with. So many people drafting this coming weekend in their in their home leagues. You know we're coming down to the the final stretch of draft season. Could see some people just kind of noticing that T. Y. Hilton's going to be missing time and just kind of jump at the at the opportunity to to go after Michael Pittman. But you wouldn't advise you pump know, bumping him up too too much then.
2: I mean, if he had been going all this time at the same ADP as Hilton and Campbell, even I might have had some Pittman shares. But Taking him in like the eighth round or wherever he always goes is just total non-starter to me. I, I, I don't really even know what the reasoning is supposed to be. I can't imagine it in any sense.
1: <laughs> well, no, and and you've been consistent on the, on that throughout, so we, we don't have to uh, dive any further into that. Also, meant to give you kudos, uh, I I've screenshotted your tweet yesterday and, and put it out there, but your tweet also obviously deserves uh, the faves as well, but um, among the, those roster cuts, uh, Tyron Johnson, someone that we talked about, is kind of a, a, a guy to keep on your dynasty radar and, and maybe in your best ball radar, especially in, in deeper, uh, you know, bigger roster type of formats. He gets cut by the Chargers, uh, ends up getting picked up by Jacksonville. Uh, what's your reaction there on on both sides? Both how does Tyron Johnson fit in potentially with Jacksonville's receiving core? A lot of names there, a lot of kind of different types of of receivers that that they've assembled there and then also uh when it comes to the chargers i thought that was a weird one for for them to let him go
2: yeah i can't really get any credit for tyron going to jacksonville because it's not like i foresaw him getting cut by the chargers in the first place but i'm off the chargers offense now i want nothing to do with it keenan allen and ppr aside i guess because he's still a beast but that's the slowest offense in the league and staley doesn't know what he's doing. He can't evaluate talent. He's making that team worse. He might be a good like strategist, uh, schemer, whatever. But if you keep making your players worse over any given sample, it doesn't matter what kind of genius you are. And uh, there's no reason to think he's the next. You know, obviously he's a defensive coach, not an offensive coach. But there's no reason to think he's especially with Joe Lombardi as his offense quarter The last time that guy was an offensive coordinator, he ran the Lions' offense into the ground. And uh, he, he's the only guy who managed to make Calvin Johnson unproductive. Like he made – Joel Lombardi's offense made Calvin Johnson less productive than Golden Tate. That's the guy in charge of this offense, which is the slowest in the league. I like Herbert. I don't think he's bad or anything, but I think they're setting him up for failure by putting Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams on the field. Week one against Washington, I bet he gets hit a lot. Man,
1: okay, that's a, that's a drastic change. I mean, that, I feel like we had either been – Relatively optimistic or, or very optimistic depending on, on the week when it comes comes to the Chargers offense. But man, I, I think those details that you just mentioned, uh, you know, that obviously the the detail regarding the offensive coordinator, uh concerning, of course, and then and his track record. So I don't know. It, what seemed like a one of the home run hires of this offseason with the Chargers linking up with, with, you know, probably the maybe trendiest uh coordinator. Uh, on the market this past uh, coaching cycle. And now it feels like this could be a failed experiment from the start.
2: I guess their defense could be good right away. But if if you want to play slow, you're going to get red zone defense at your own 20. And there's a reason why we try to make the safeties get back. It doesn't get easier when the safeties are in your face every single play, especially like think of this. Mike Williams is their deep threat and he's slow he's not a fast deep threat he takes a long time to get to the part of the field and he's not useful before this part of the field either he he gets useful at like 20 yards downfield. he can't do anything before then and it takes him longer to get there than almost any other receiver who's in a similar function to him that's a long time for Herbert to sit and wait and hope no one gets through that line it's going to totally be an opposite dynamic from last year when he had a lot of Tyron Johnson and even Jalen Guyton running clearing routes and if you want to just see what happens with a mike williams josh palmer clearing route uh it's i'm not gonna say like herbert will be bad but he's not going to get the touchdown percentage that he had last year he's gonna get hit more than he got hit last year and i think we're looking at a very plausible scenario where keenan allen uh stays like I don't, I don't want to call him like inefficient because he was good, but Herbert stopped being able to land those deep throws, and he started just throwing it at Keenan Allen because he couldn't figure out what what else to do. And defenses were sitting on Keenan Allen because they are like, hey, Herbert's not throwing it anywhere else. And so that's why Keenan Allen's got all these games with like 14 targets for eight catches and 60 yards in the second half of last year. I think he's looking at an entire season of that. And I still like Keenan Allen in PPR because I still think he'll catch... 100 plus passes right but i'm worried it'll be for like a thousand and fifty yards
1: yeah i mean all those details in mind i mean i already i already felt like it wasn't a great receiving core that that, that they had um in los angeles but but taking tyron johnson out, out of that equation and taking that speed dynamic out and then um if you would just quickly set the record straight on Josh Palmer, because it because I feel like people might chase him just after seeing you know where he gets drafted, coming from an SEC school, uh, you know potentially having that that immediate role in this Chargers offense. Set the record there.
2: Well, I guess he's worth picking in a lot of formats, and especially best ball, because even though I, even though Palmer, I guess, might play something like 700 snaps, I I don't think he'll be. Um, someone that you want in your starting lineup in redraft unless I guess maybe Alan got hurt, something like that. But uh, he doesn't do anything very well. <laughs> He's not good. And I I know that a coach like Staley thinks he sees something and thinks he knows better. And he may well be onto some particular thing, some little uh, technique that is called for in this particular scheme. And maybe it's legitimately helpful to have that but he's fixating on whatever it is that he thinks he sees and he's ignoring all the other details which matter more and specifically i'm talking about josh palmer was a below far below baseline player last year for tennessee as a fourth year player He wasn't as old as some fourth year players like he's i don't think he turns 22 for like a few days here um but he was a fourth year player and before then he was behind Jawan jennings and marquez calloway and i know people are kind of convincing themselves that Callaway's like a star receiver or something, but he's probably not. And Josh Palmer was worse than him. It was to be fair. When Jawan Jennings and uh, Marquez Callaway were there, Josh Palmer was above baseline in that scenario as the wide receiver three though. And when the spotlight got put on him the next year, he fell through the floor. He was a drain on the offense. Uh, Velas Jones or whatever his name is, the freshman Tennessee receiver, they were both above baseline. Palmer was dragging the passing game down and he had a few good games. I mean, it was it was largely dragged down by a few really bad games, but that makes sense. It's like defenses adjusted to what he was doing. They started sitting on the routes that he could catch in the beginning of the year like i think he had a big game against south carolina or something like that and then they stopped the the plays stopped happening and people who rationalize that terrible josh palmer pick in the third round like to say oh but the tennessee quarterback play was so bad Uh, Jawan jennings and marquez callaway didn't need that excuse velas jones and the freshman last year didn't need that excuse why does palmer as a fourth year player need that excuse and why as a guy who with four five five four five seven kind of speed do we think that there's any upside here? There isn't, he might be an okay player. He might give you some like decent reps, but he's a wide receiver four or five on a good team. And this isn't going to be one, man.
1: Okay. All right. There, there it is. There's the Juwan tenant Jennings uh, take there. And and I do agree with with the people that say that Tennessee's uh, quarterback play was atrocious, but oh, that, totally. that, yeah. that, that doesn't um, absolve the, the sins. Like you mentioned when it, when it comes to, uh, Palmer just being uh, he still
2: that, was below yeah. the line that that poor quarterback play was, you know, it's like those other guys weren't be- below the line. It was only him. And- right. And,
1: and no one else. Hit, I mean, none of those other guys got drafted as, as highly as him.
2: Correct. Right. So- Callaway went undrafted, even though he's a better athlete and was more productive. Jawan Jennings got the seventh round pick, but yeah, he's, he's not, unless he's making it happen at tight end, he's probably not an NFL player really, but good college player, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, he he was pretty fun. Uh, there for, for a minute. So, uh, that'll do it as far as, uh, the the chargers discussion is concerned and, and, or I guess tying it off. How do you see Tyron Johnson, uh, fitting in Jacksonville?
2: Well, we'll see if he even stays there. They could cut him for all I know. Uh, I'm not sure what urban, Meyer urban Meyer thinks he's doing at receiver, but he clearly wanted to get some speed there. Tyron Johnson was the number one receiver recruit in his draft, uh, his recruiting class. And, uh, I'm guessing Meyer remembers him. And if, if Meyer wanted downfield speed, Tyron Johnson should be able to give him that, I guess, to be fair, there is possibly some sort of off field complication with Tyron Johnson. Like, I don't know if coaches just hate him, like don't like him as a person or something. I know that Staley was apparently getting mad because he was talking too much trash and joint practices. But uh, if, if there isn't anything more substantial than that, then I, I guess, defer to Tyron Johnson's talent, which I think is beyond any real question. And uh I don't know, I guess I, I still think DJ Chark is unchallenged as the the downfield guy there, but at least Tyron Johnson gives him a second player who can run further than twenty yards. Like a lot of people are thinking like, Oh, LaViska Chenault's the next Des Bryant, it's gonna be him. It's like, no, Levisca's hmm. LaVisca is like a rich man's Mohamed Sanu, and I know people don't want to hear that, but Mohamed Sanu was good. Being a better version of him is fine. It's it's not an insult. Um, But that downfield part was a place only Chark could get to. Jones couldn't really go beyond the intermediate either. So having Tyron there, um, I don't think he's going to steal snaps from Chark, but at the very least, if Marvin Jones is nicked up or something, I would imagine Tyron takes the field in that case.
1: Okay. All right. So that is definitely something to, to keep an eye out for uh, in Jacksonville. And then uh, we do have a uh, viewer question here from Brandon Reed. Could Ramondre Stevenson pop off for New England in week one? What say you?
2: Well, I'm definitely a lot more optimistic about Stevenson's chances now that they cut or, sorry, traded to Sonny Michelle. Right. So. Very different scenario after that move, and even if Bill Belichick is still stingy toward rookie running backs, it's he's only you know a Damian Harris injury away at at the very most. So I I guess there's a chance that if he can get his foot in the door, he can kind of keep it there and kind of like carve out a little more room as the season goes on. But in week one, it seems like it's maybe asking a lot to me. I also don't really expect New England. I don't know. I don't know how I expect that game to go. I I should say, like, obviously, I was surprised by Cam Newton being cut, but uh, er, I was surprised that they named Mac Jones the starter. I actually did think they would have to cut Cam Newton if they named Mac Jones the starter. I'm surprised they took it that way. Maybe the vaccine thing had something to do with it. I don't know. But the team is worse in the meantime, and I know people are seeing it the opposite way and the wrong. The, The Patriots didn't name Mac Jones the starter because he's the better player now. They named him the starter because there were a handful of, political and logistical considerations to make and they were legitimate i'm not saying they're wrong for like choosing to try to develop mac jones and make this his team and just see where it goes because he's a really good prospect i think um but in the meantime their probability of extending drives and scoring points has gone down so i'm a little concerned about that miami matchup um i think it might be a bit of a sluggish game for their offense and uh if they maybe if they run the ball like forty times, then Stevenson gets in. But otherwise, I think they're going to have to give as many uh, reps as possible to Harris, who that who is definitely better in the meantime than Stevenson. I think.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think week one would be a bit, um, a bit aggressive to to start Stevenson in your redraft leagues. Obviously, if you've been stashing best ball shares, then you don't have to worry about that necessarily. But um, I I don't think that week one rookie non first round running back is even with the the runway being cleared it for him having a role and potentially having that that goal line role i still don't think that uh in in most formats most like 10 12 14 team home league even um that you're gonna really feel the need to to put stevenson over someone that you drafted in the first 10 rounds
2: i should have checked i didn't i, I can't look at the moment but if brandon bolden made the team i would be very worried about him running ahead of stevenson Oh, the, Brandon Bolden, the inconvenient it's truth, he does. apparently. That's what he's for. <laughs> right. Uh, unreal.
1: Um, let's see. Let's get on over to Detroit. Um, so w- of the of the other notable cuts uh, from this week, uh, what was already kind of a shaky Lions pass catching group became even more anonymous, I, I guess, if nothing else, with, with the uh, decision to cut uh, Brashad Perriman earlier this week. So really – Um, As it stands right now, Detroit is just running with they're going zero wide receiver uh, as as their own NFL football team. It's very uh, bold choice what what they're doing in Detroit. But I mean, is there anything to to take away from that from that move when it comes to anyone moving up, uh, moving down Tyrell Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Quintez Cephas, um, anything like that?
2: I can't really see it changing much for Tyrell or Amon Ross, St. Brown. And If they do give Amon Ross St. Brown reps outside ahead of Cephas, A, I'd be surprised. B, I don't think he'll do very well with them. Like St. St. Brown had some pretty concerning workout numbers, and I know they're not everything, but it's really bad when you have poor workout numbers as a smallish receiver. Like if you're 220, go ahead and run a 458, who cares? But uh, if you're 197 or whatever St. Brown was at the pro day track and you're running a 461, like you don't really want, that's almost like Isaiah Ford territory. And Isaiah Ford was a really good college player before he turned out to not be any good in the NFL. And I think St. Brown will be better than that probably by quite a bit, but people are taking him, not just, not just first among the Lions receivers, but like way ahead of Tyrell and they dodged a bullet, I guess, and credit to them for taking St. Brown instead of Perriman all this time. But I still don't think it's going to be a good pick for its own part. And, um, and in any case, Cephas has been running ahead of St. Brown in two wide sets, and that makes sense. And I don't even know why Cephas works outside being slow as he is, but uh, it's like he really he really is good at just um, almost like the Marvin Jones kind of routes, but Marvin Jones was kind of fast, so it's a little bit of a stretch. But all the same, Cephas is just explosive enough to, for some reason, work on the outside, on the sideline, up to, like, 15 yards and yeah you're not giving them fly routes exactly but that's what Tyrell Williams and apparently Khalif Raymond are for so uh I think Cephas could actually I mean for the price he's almost my favorite option in that receiving group because he can definitely play and and I guess you might even say like because of his lack of speed, he should stay in the part of the field where Goff can throw it. Like Goff might just see Tyrell twenty five yards downfield and say, "I can't do that." Where's everybody else? <laughs> and Cephas might be there.
1: Oh, that's it. You no, know, that's a really good point. His uh, skill set could definitely mesh mesh with Goff. You know, we we obviously know that Goff not the greatest uh, downfield passer for sure. So it's it funny to see so, how
2: much yeah. of the Saint Brown hype is specifically like Jared Goff can't throw it more than four yards, so they have to give him uh like i want if, all if of the brown yeah if st brown catches 80 passes it's gonna be for like 650 yards or something yeah and like two two maybe
1: three touchdowns yeah
2: yeah so well, ppr is interesting but it, like an underdog when he's he's been going like the 13th round all off season like i i have if if we were doing like a devy thing from like two years ago when it was still just like five star amon ross Saint brown that would have made more sense but yeah he's he's Got a thin line between whatever he's gonna be and what Isaiah Ford turned out to be, man. Okay,
1: yeah. So that very different than yeah, like like you were saying a year or two ago. Yeah, going into last year, he was definitely one of our uh, top receiving prospects. But you know, things have obviously changed uh, since then. Uh, one last uh, roster shakeup thing to get to before we we uh, get to recapping um, that salary cap draft over um, in the in the uh, pentathlon. So the Irv Smith injury uh, necessitated the Vikings to make a move at, at tight end. Now they've got both Tyler Conklin and, and Chris Irvin, um, Herndon. Chris Herndon. Sorry, yeah, I'm all over the place today. Uh, but when it comes to to Herndon, uh, as a one time truther, what's going on?
2: Um, I thought he looked really busted last year. It's hard for me to know. He he's t- also has had a pretty long injury history, even going back to Miami. Like he didn't do any pre-draft testing for his draft before the jets took him in the fourth round because he had some kind of busted ligament or another. I don't know what, uh, when I watched him last year, a, he looked checked out B, he was blocking a lot more than he was previously. And C, he looked very slow. Like, uh, I, I basically didn't recognize him. So I don't know if he was playing hurt, uh, I guess he could just be bad. I don't really know. He was productive as a pass catcher before last year. And uh, if if there ever was something, I guess it could come back. But in that particular offense and with Irv Smith not expected to miss the he's is he expected to miss the whole year? I guess I didn't it, follow. It's, up a, on
1: that. it's a pretty lengthy recovery yeah, for, for the meniscus because he, he's not getting the one with the quicker recovery. He's getting the like the complete. Oh, okay. yeah.
2: Um, I can't hate. The Herndon pick exactly, but I think the way I'm building my teams at this point, i I just wouldn't really be in a market in the market for a tight end uh where I'd need to take him. But if he's healthy, I think he's a pretty good player. It's it's just uh I'm a little worried in the meantime that he's he's gonna be, I don't know, like 70% of the Irv Smith role rather than the entirety of it, because Herndon, even if he's decent, still probably isn't particularly close to Smith's level. So it, I
1: agree with that. And I, I think Uh, if you were to like paint like a a positive case for for Herndon, it would be a look at, at this Vikings offense where the, the target tree is pretty narrow. I mean, obviously Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen and, and, and Dalvin cook are going to be uh, comprising a really high percentage of those targets. But we know that Kirk cousins has used a tight end in the past. Uh, This is an offense that, that, uh, you know, uses them in, in routes. So do we think that if we squint hard enough that, you know, we, we do end up seeing that case. I mean, regardless of, of your roster builds.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially in like two court, uh, two tight end leagues, what can't really think anybody is eligible in that kind of yeah. format. Uh, so I, as a, as a former late round, Chris Herndon advocate who uh, is somewhat disillusioned after last year and is kind of like increasingly concerned with his injury history. I, I don't want to recommend it exactly, but I I don't think it's like a, Criticizable gamble to take.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. That that definitely uh, makes some sense there. All right. Before we get on over to our pentathlon recap for the for our superflex salary cap draft, uh, we got a quick message from our sponsors.
2: Before history is written.
0: Bobby Orr, it
2: the it's played. Tinelli, Nistre, Before it's frozen in time fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the stanley cup final on abc and espn plus begins saturday
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
1: 12 uh, teamer, uh, $200 budget for this one. And again, the the starting uh, lineups have two or a quarterback and a super flex, in addition to having to start um, a pair of tight ends. And then it, it's pretty standard from there. Um, and that, and the the scoring itself is 0.5 PPR as well. So a lot of a lot of sharp players in that room, like we mentioned before. So. Mario, leading things off, looking at, at how your roster, uh, shaped up. So at quarterback, you have Trevor Lawrence, uh, you have Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, Alvin Kamara, James Robinson, Johnny Smith, Gerald Everett, DJ Chark, and Tyrod Taylor, um, as with Trey Lance, sorry, as, as your, um, as your quarterbacks. And you also have Jared Goff, uh, well, we'll have to get to that in a moment. I got, I got to hold your feet to the fire for, for a moment on that one. But um, either way, um, did you expect going into that auction to, to build uh, your roster that way, especially in, in a super flex league where quarterback, I think people can get almost too fixated. It feels like you almost went the other way um, and just went with guys that with that plausible upside Um, And then married them up with with some guys who just give you like a little bit of like passable floor and allowed you to really spend big at other positions.
2: Yeah, the golf pick was an accident. I just or not really an accident. I just thought someone would bid three dollars and they didn't someone nominated yeah. <laughs> him at one and i bid two and then no one oh, bid three yeah. on even though i uh, stuck price and four i had to bid three for Tyrod. uh i think bridgewater went for like seven or eight and ben roethlisberger went for like seven or eight so i, I was like oh golf should go for three or four and everybody disagreed so i i'm stuck with him for now i don't especially anticipate using him but whatever we'll see how it goes uh week one i know i'm i'm just apparently going with the the jacksonville houston stack and i I don't mind that at all it's two stupid defenses both teams are dumb enough to make their offenses bad too to be fair but uh yeah tyrod trevor lawrence week one dj chark hopefully in there uh i like my chances enough of getting off to a decent start but nothing that i did was especially intentional i didn't know what i was doing like i don't know uh i I haven't done auction super flex as far as i remember like i've only done the scott fishbowl i think and that snake draft of course so Mm uh i i tried to keep an open mind and sort of do my best to just sort of watch for whatever looked like an opportunity to me and i i thought calvin ridley aj brown price points were that like i thought uh, i think i got them both for like 32 dollars something like that and whereas like Alvin Kamara I paid 52 so AJ Brown and Calvin Ridley to me are both um I don't know like top 16 15 kind of players so getting them and Alvin Kamara I know I'm lacking depth but if I can if I can have three of my like one of my top three players and uh an additional two in my top 15 16 I thought you know as long as I get start actual starting quarterbacks and a uh, little bit of like a running back lottery ticket here and there. I thought maybe it'll work, but uh, I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah. I mean, S- stars and scrubs is, is definitely the, like the, the central thesis that, that I work from when it, when it comes to building out a, a football um, auction roster. Um, you, if you sit back too long and you just hammered the mid tier, you just end up getting a team that will get you into sixth place. Like it, you, you'll get a respectable team that way, but you're, you're lopping off your upside because you have to think about it in a way where, do I really want a roster where if this was a snake draft, I would have no first, second, or third yeah, round players? Right. You know, so yeah. you have to just even if it it like stings to pony up x percentage of your budget left, you still need to remember that everyone else is doing that too, and you're, you're there's a certain point where where saving it ends up hurting you. So you need you need to keep that in mind.
2: Yeah, I might have take, taken it too far in the other way because uh, I mean we'll see. I don't I don't have much at tight end. Obviously, I, I like like Jonu Smith a lot, but I don't even like Everett. I also accidentally ended up with Gerald Everett.
1: Yeah, I know you got some guys that uh, we, uh you're on on the uh, on he Twitter goes record way at the...
2: higher than like I ever expect in every other draft and auction. And this is a two tight end league. Oh, I was like, oh, so, someone's gonna bid like twelve on Gerald Everett, and I I got him for four. Which to be fair, I don't even dislike the price like that's I, I just, actually pretty good yeah yeah i mean i'm like yeah. i don't even think he's good but whatever it's four dollars so uh yeah we'll see i did i did not know what i was doing and uh i'll be pleasantly surprised if this team is any good
1: i i think i mean with with what your stars have to offer right off the bat with, with ridley with aj brown with camara uh and then with james robinson what we'll go back to him in a second like that that's going to be tough for every, everyone to to contend with right off the bat. Um, it's just a matter of how your tight ends and your quarterbacks shake out. But I, I think yeah. what you did at the skill spots, um, really, really strong core there, and then um, Jalen Waddle too. I mean, he's someone that maybe not week one. He he's uh, you know. I'm actually rolling with him week
2: one because they uh, uh, they don't have Will Fuller, and I I don't know. It's probably it's probably not going to work, but I'm I'm such a Waddle truther. I'm just you know. You you haven't seen Doctor Strangelove yet, have you? No, that's that's oh, one of the Kubrick movies I've, I've missed anyway, out on so far. I'm the guy. I'm the gu- guy doing the cowboy thing, flying out of the the plane.
1: You see, most of my references, I'm at least able to learn from The Simpsons. So there is an episode where, where uh, Homer uh, jumps on uh, on one of those and flies down and uh, and it lands on like a bunch of uh, beatnik uh, hippies. It's uh, a pretty good scene. Yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, that's that's something you got to watch though. It's the best movie ever. We,
1: I am uh, home once again this week, and uh, I do believe we have that on, on DVD. So, might have to check that out. But uh, we also have the Beavis and Butthead full collection. So I don't know. Nice. That is, you know the, You know what the, else
2: d- aged pretty well, Daria. Yeah, I enjoy it. Like that's that's on a couple of streaming
1: services. I, I've watched that a decent bit this past winter, and it's like, yeah, no, this is. This holds up nice. They, they, they got two from
2: that into finally learning about King of the Hill, which is, of course, I, I feel stupid for taking twenty five years or whatever, but it that also rules.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it it's got some. I can't dive into it with with both feet the same way I do some of the other, uh, you know, like the Matt Groening Simpsons oh, or um, or Futurama. Simpsons. But uh, yeah, acceptable. but um, yeah, King of the, King of the Hill, of course, it, is tremendous as well. I don't know you. That's my purse,
2: and so on um (laughs) i like um, dale gribble is just the best character from anything uh he's
1: a king he's he's just phenomenal um let's see anything else you wanted to add to your team uh before we switch on over to to mine or actually um i did want to ask you about james robinson so obviously the way that uh the every auction to, to quote scott pianowski is a snowflake no auction um is the same so that you know Not only are they taking place at different times, but people just have different um, strategies with with how they're employing, how they're attacking certain positions. Maybe someone goes up um, in the bidding order much later than than you would have expected and you end up getting a a deal off of it. I mean, our dollar days, there are some seriously good players um, still going going really late. I was able to capitalize on that. We'll get to that. But James Robinson for it. Oh. But yeah I, love- <laughs> I mean you couldn't have seen it coming but James Robinson $28 DeAndre Swift right after him for 23 how do you feel about how that shook
2: out um well it's half point PPR and I would have bid more on Swift but I already had Robinson and I knew I didn't have enough funds to get into that one uh, I was hoping someone else would bid more but I, I just didn't have enough money to do it but I, I'm okay with Robinson at 29 I mean there was there was no way to know what Swift would have gone for. And oftentimes in scenarios where not because anyone cares what I think, or even knows what I think, but it just feels like so often in auctions, when I wait for one particular pet target of mine that uh, I don't get them for the price that I think I will. And so in this, I tried to take more of a sort of like open-minded objective value assessment of the players. And I was like, I was probably looking at some other running back who i consider about as good as robinson who went for like 35 and i kind of just rationalized on that basis but yeah if i if i could get it back and switch to swift for that price and have another six dollars to spend on those that insane spree of one dollar bids at the end that would have been nice but i love james robinson I, i think he's the real deal so i'm not exactly concerned about him i'm just also high on swift. If it had been PPR instead of half point PPR, that would have stung a little worse.
1: Okay. I I think that that's about right and and I think Swift right now is getting a bit of an injury discount. I think people are are the closer we get to the season, um I think the more people are starting to get concerned that that we're not here and that he's, you know, fully 100% ready to rock that that type of thing. Some other uh running backs who went in that in that similar tier, Gus Edwards newly among that tier, of course, after uh the unfortunate JK Dobbins injury last weekend. Gus Edwards goes for 21 on the other end of that spectrum. Najee Harris goes for 39 to Pat Fitzmorris. Um, looking elsewhere, some of these other running backs, uh Chris Carson also went for for 23. Um, so same, same, uh, same bid as DeAndre Swift. And I got uh Edwards Hilaire at at 29. So that that kind of gives you an idea of of how those how that particular grouping of 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 running backs maybe they're not in the same tier depending on on how you're looking at it but um that that's kind of how it shook out um as far as uh the the rb market is concerned
2: yeah i uh took a i tried to take a couple lottery tickets at the end i was fortunate enough to get alex madison and malcolm brown as one dollar bids and i uh had to waiver bid three dollars on ty johnson after the draft but uh that's uh it's kind of a shallow bench i guess for a league with so many starting spots so uh i i don't have any particular expectation for this league because i've never really been in one like it but uh i don't know i I might it might just be ignorance in the meantime but i i think this team could be okay it's but i it's like one of those things i need everybody to stay healthy for the most part
1: and well, the thing—the thing with the pentathlon in general is that you know this is only twenty percent of the of the bottom line for you. So if you're able to do well in the spread, super uh, spread, best ball, DFS component of it, and survivor, uh, then you know you're fine. So if you're just like treading water, if you just like kind of hit a single uh, as far as this uh, super flex league is concerned, that then you can still definitely be in the running um, for the overall. Uh, before we get on over to uh, my squad here. We got a couple messages from our friends leading things off. Our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet Brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. You want to break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states that's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, all while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to five hundred dollars on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. We got a message also from our friends over at Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of the same fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so? Well, if so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start a league, join an existing, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. That's DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire and start your dynasty today. And a message from our friends over at Sleeper. What are your fraternity brothers, Steve, Katie from work, and your grandma all have in common they're all waiting for that invite to your fantasy football league there is no better way to hang out no easier way to talk smack and no more customizable platform to host your fantasy league on this year than sleeper whether you have a redraft or a dynasty league that has been around for 10 years sleeper has everything you need in one app incredible commissioner tools and customizations built-in messaging Support for Snake Draft, Auction Draft, and Best Ball League's blazing fast news, stats, and scores, all in a beautifully designed mobile app and website that makes every other app feel like a horse and buggy. Sleeper is the fastest-growing fantasy sports platform for a reason, and all the cool commissioners are switching to Sleeper and not looking back. Don't just take my word for it. Download Sleeper on iOS or Android and see for yourself. You have nothing to lose. It's free. All right, Mario. We are back, uh, getting into uh, my team from the uh, Superflex auction in the in the Pentathlon. So this is something that I hadn't done just yet, and it, this wasn't like a, a full stack or anything necessarily, but it, it was a pairing uh, nonetheless. And I, I did want to make sure that I left this draft with at least one of what I consider to be an elite fantasy quarterback. Um, So Josh Allen ended up being that guy, um, according to our our auction values on the website. By the way, for for any viewers, listeners, customers, highly recommend those. Just plug in your your league settings and it will kind of give you a a much better guide than whatever hosting service you have. Uh, Not to call out their their, um, projected auction values anywhere else, but it really, really tightens things up for you and allows you to see um, where the value is relative to to the room um, that you're drafting against, and and Allen to me seemed like a, a strong buy at 37, um, and then and then uh, after him um, I got Stefan Diggs um, for a little bit over what what um, would have been expected, but I was cool with that just based on the fact that I was going to be pairing him w- with Josh Allen. And uh, I also led things off with, with Nick Chubb and I basically went to the mat for Nick Chubb. Like I, I waited around for about half an hour before making my, my first uh, buy. I, w- I was in on a handful of players up until then. Um, but once we got past like the Deandre Hopkins section and, um, Obviously, this goes a little bit out of order, but uh, Chubb was this 26th person nominated. And, and at that point, there was enough money off of other people's boards to where I felt like, okay, this is a, the time to dive in. It's a half point PPR league. I'm just going for it. So I ended up going uh, Chubb at 41. So so my premier buys ended up being um, Chubb, Allen, Stefan Diggs. And I also mentioned uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire for, for 29 a little bit earlier. So I think how does that, how's that start?
2: A- I think Andrews is a premium buy too in this format. So, uh, yeah, I think your team's probably better than mine because it's a lot more balanced and has like actual leading upside at, at quarterback and tight end. And then not so much, not even really at much expense of receiver or running back. Um, yeah, I mean, having Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Mark Andrews, Chubb, and Edwards Hilaire should be a pretty solid foundation and that's not to skip the potential of like, I I think people are really under acknowledging the probability that Melvin Gordon sort of just starts all year for the Broncos. And I don't know why he would start less late in the year than early. Like the idea that, Oh, Javante Williams will of course start the second half. Like on what basis, like when, Mm -hmm. why would we assume that? Why wouldn't Should if he's going to start in the second half, why can't he start the first half at the very least? Like, I don't, if anything, you should be more optimistic about Javante Williams if you believe that. Um I don't personally believe it, and I, I saw Teddy Bridgewater comparing him now to Alvin Kamara. Uh, so he's Alvin Kamara and Nick Chubb and Marshawn Lynch and <laughs> Michael Jordan, whatever else people have comparison-wise. Um Surely he's one of those or something in between. Whatever. Uh Gordon, though, is, even in his slowed-down state, probably about as fast as Javante Williams and He's played NFL running back a long time. They're paying him a lot. I think if they really wanted to put Gordon on the bench, they would have just cut him by now. So we'll see. But I I think you could have Denver starting running back as a flex play in addition to Edward to and Chubb and didn't have to pay a whole lot for much of it.
1: No, exactly. Yeah. He was, he was one of those end game guys that, that I was able to snag because I did get to a point in the auction where, I needed that second quarterback again. This is that super flex league. And I was, relative to the amount of roster spots that I have left, I needed to save at least a few bucks for my second quarterback. And, you know, as you mentioned, some of the market pricing uh, got a little bit wacky there for, for a minute when, you know, guys like Roethlisberger um, are going for, you know, upwards of 10 bucks, Bridgewater, um, $6. So I was like, oh boy, like, I, I don't know if I have quite, that much to to go after it, but um, even still, um, as I was waiting, basically that led to a lot more people getting down into their dollar days part of of the auction. So I was able to get a car um, at the 160th uh, nom for three dollars, and at that point, I still had about twenty bucks to play with for like five five or six roster spots. So when people threw out guys like Melvin Gordon or threw out jamal williams for for a dollar and hope that they could sneak him by i just it's not that i i'm huge on either of those guys but i just simply had the salary to to make it work and end up uh grabbing those guys and they're, they're certainly useful i mean regardless of, of whether you yeah. think they're sexy plays or, or upside guys or whatever they're still you know viable nfl running backs and guys that, that you can throw into your lineup when you need them
2: yeah uh the- my Jamal Williams criticisms were always within the, the very specific frame of, Oh, he's going to start ahead of Deandre Swift. He's going to make Deandre Swift only get like five carries a game. And that stuff's really funny, but of yeah. course he <laughs> is actually going to play and he is actually going to get the ball. Uh, and if he's priced according to the expectation that he's not starting ahead of Swift in any meaningful sense, then that's fine. You know, it's like, it, it was it was almost like more a defensive of Swift than even a criticism of of Jamal Williams at any normal uh, at any reasonable price, which this certainly is.
1: yeah, I, I thought so as well. So so yeah, no, that that's a, a good summation of of you know where you've been on Jamal Williams and his fit um in Detroit. before we we finish out, um breaking down my team and a couple other uh, interesting uh, buys from the auction. Um, our friend Ethan H wants to know better first round draft strategy with the sixth pick in a 10 man, Travis Kelsey Zeke or Devante Adams.
2: So nothing wrong with any of those guys, but I think I would almost lean Kelsey because hmm, maybe I got to think this through a little, uh, a 10 team league versus a 12 team that that like that raises kind of like the baseline scoring at tight ends uh, relative to 12 because you got uh two starters who would be a backup in this league I would imagine so if there's any margin of production between those you know like 8 to 12 tight ends then maybe the you know maybe there's more leverage with the elite tight ends and if nothing else the replacement level at running back and receiver should also be higher in this league so uh nothing wrong with going to Vontae or Zeke, but I think I might you know, assuming like there's no Kamara or something there, no Derrick Henry, I think I might go Travis Kelsey just because your second round running back option might look a lot like first round running back options in other leagues.
1: Would you still go after is Eckler still a, a high value second round pick net so now after I what, what we talked said, about earlier?
2: Yeah, I should have said more clearly. Uh I'm not truly like I don't think like Eckler's gonna have a bad year and Keenan Allen's gonna have a bad year. It's more like I can't take him over the players that I would need to, to get him in a draft, but I I think Eckler is a beast and I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, It's just more like, I don't, I'm not high enough on him to take a, take him ahead of Aaron Jones or somebody like that. Certainly not Jonathan Taylor. Um, But if you can get Eckler in the second round of a draft 10 team league or otherwise, I can't see that hurting. Although if it's PPR, maybe he doesn't get quite that far. If he does, Mm -hmm. it, it makes it all that much more of an obvious, you know, I'm guessing there are a few really good running back options in the second and third round, but he, if he's there, could be the best one, I guess.
1: Okay. And then, and then rounded it out again uh, for Ethan uh, Kelsey, would, would be uh, the, the road to stamp of approval um, <laughs> six pick in that 10 man format. Again, thank you, Ethan for chiming in. Um, all right, let's, let's get on over um, finishing it out. So at receiver, Uh, I also went to the mat for Jerry Judy, obviously didn't have to go quite um, as hard uh, to get him as, you know, some of the other more elite guys that the bigger purchases that that I made, but even still uh, Judy, Judy went for 15. That was $3 less than than what Mark Andrews went for. I I kind of just piggybacked um, those two particular um, gets, Um, but I'm a little bit worried about my third receiver spot. I have, at my disposal, uh both Brian Edwards. Now I have, Paris, I have Paris Campbell, too, which I feel a lot better about now. And then also um uh Miko Hardman. So it'll be hard to pick between those three on a given week. I feel like that that's kind of my biggest qualm. But I do have plenty of faith in all three of those guys individually. And then I have Michael Thomas right. um, stashed as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, if Thomas comes back to any measurable effect, then it should be. Borderline clinching effect on your team uh, being among the best in the league because I still think there's a way to make it work between a rotating cast, if necessary, of Hardman, uh, Brian Edwards, Paris Campbell, maybe even some other guy who pops up over the waiver wire over the course of the year. It will be, like you said, difficult to know uh, ahead of time which one might go off. And that Cleveland matchup for Mikul is so hard to figure out because it's like, I don't think he's going to see Denzel Ward. But maybe he will maybe maybe Kansas City just uh, still doesn't use him that much more than last year. It's hard to know. I almost would be tempted. Man, I guess Brian Edwards has a bad matchup, though, with the Ravens. It's going to be going to be tough to figure out. There's something to think about there. But it, I guess the good news is you can expect above average contributions from pretty much all your other uh, starting um, units. So if you must take a hit there, you probably can.
1: Yeah, I I'm thinking around the same thing. Uh, you know, this is more just uh theater of the mind, but but maybe Cleveland doesn't want to see Denzel Ward get his feelings hurt by by Tyreek Hill and <laughs> um so so then he they do end up sticking him on on Mecole.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's an interesting game to think about. I guess we got week 1 coming up pretty quick now. Yeah. Uh I, I think we're both Mekole defenders for the most part but it's, it's always you know the context is crucial with these takes and it's like i don't mean to say he's some kind of slam dunk or anything it's not that i i do think there's a way that he could have a worst case scenario of like azahir ah, hakim or something like that but until i see the mecole critics start to speak of him in a way that is actually like if they start to speak of him in a way that demonstrates that they know basic facts about him then I'll start to get a little bit more nervous, but in the meantime, his haters are so nonsensical. I'm still pretty optimistic for him.
1: I know, and and you know, you you look at the at the rash of uh, receivers that were taken before him in in that um, that 2019 draft, and you know, Hakeem Butler. Yeah.
2: Oh right, but okay, so yeah, I gotta say, so many people who hate Hardman just hate him because they're like. uh They, they, they wanted a DK Metcalf, which is understandable, but it's like not his fault and doesn't have anything to do with him. So there's a lot of people who just, it's a coalition of people who spent too many early picks the last two years on him and are now pissed off at him and people who had him ranked low in Debbie rankings and hate him for going ahead of their favorite players. So it's like Hartman's got the world against him right now for some stupid reason. And I don't know, I'm rooting for him. I don't, I don't find his critics to be particularly sympathetic
1: yeah, there's a yeah, there's a weird through line there among the the, uh, the so
2: mad at this fourth year, twenty two year old receiver because he's not paying off in the sixth round of Ugh. your draft, like that's a that's a you problem, man. For real, and
1: uh, you know, if nothing else, uh, look at his uh his get up walking into the two thousand nineteen or I guess the twenty twenty uh, Super Bowl. He's like a full-on air force outfit he's, like, he's such
2: a hard worker <laughs> i don't understand why people dislike him so much but uh anyway you want to see i don't know if there's footage available but one thing that i remember very vividly was watching steve smith his rookie year and he like fumbled a kickoff or something and and i remember like panthers might have been the panthers fans might have been like booing him or something and the, the announcers were just like oh, this steve smith i don't know what you can do with him He's just a hothead. He he's talented. Sure. But what can you do? He's just he he just doesn't know how to play receiver. And then, you know, sometimes players aren't the same at age 21 and 22 as they are at 23 and 24. And, you know, being fast and a hard worker certainly helps.
1: I remember uh, this is on the other side of the ball, but I remember being at a game Ed Reed's rookie year and he was running a, an interception back for a touchdown, and he held the ball out, oh, and it got not, knocked out. He's
2: doing and, the high, the yeah, high legs and
1: everything, yes. too. <laughs> and and uh, it got knocked out of the end zone, and everyone's like, cut him, cut him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he doesn't respect the game or anything, yeah, yeah. probably. He
1: cost yeah. us six points against the Bengals. Unreal. Uh, as if he wouldn't go on to have like a thousand pick sixes against the Bengals and everybody but he did else. It the
2: wrong way, John. That's he, right. It wasn't solemn enough when he did it. <laughs> yeah, you show less joy when you when you like
1: do the ultimate achievement in your sport. He's depressed um, as me. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. Looking around, you know, obviously we're we're at the at the later stage of draft season now, so I just wanted to toss out a, a couple um, interesting buys front from this draft so Marquez calloway who we kind of touched on earlier on the show or more so just merely mentioned uh, but he goes for 11 in this one and for context uh, that's the same as uh, Michael Gallup it's two dollars more um, than Michael Pittman as well so y- your thoughts when it comes to um, how the room read the value properly or improperly when it comes to to calloway
2: calloway is a weird case and I' like him overall like he, he was among the undrafted players last year, he was one of my favorites because he, at the time I thought he was going to be a potential like outside oriented wide receiver three because he was basically a deep route specialist at Tennessee and he was really good at it. So I thought, you know, maybe he can't take big volume, but he can, he can hurt teams on the sideline. He, he was like a pretty good athletic tester. Nothing great, nothing bad. Uh, In so far as that projection goes, I don't think. Uh, It merits the hype that he's getting right now, but there is a chance that he's just the next Sean Payton guy at receiver. And if he wants Marquez Colston, not to take, you know, merit credit away from these guys, like Marquez Colston was a legitimately good player and Willie Sneed when he was there, Kenny Stills, when they were there, they were doing an actually good job. But the thing is, Sean Payton can just kind of make a receiver way more productive than they should be if he chooses. And Callaway could be his choice. I don't uh it seems like the beat writers think so. Uh I guess we'll see. I still think Traquan Smith will be like the better of the two, but it's it's only in a normal offense. If it's if it's Callaway gets the Thomas role and Traquan's still doing everything he's been doing, then yeah, Callaway's a smash value. If it's if it's more like we're back to square one, Traquan's here, we're gonna. We're going to give him a shot now. Then I think Traquan being bigger, faster, more productive in college uh, probably takes the lead. But I think they could both be really good choices because I don't have any faith in any non Kamara part of that off- uh that team really um, just the offensive line Kamara, those two receivers. I don't want anything to do with anybody else. No, that
1: that's that's fair. That's kind of how I've approached the the offense for the most part. Um, I do have some Troutman. I even have him in, in this league, but you know, I, obviously, I just kind of went with like, like injury him discount. If we could get,
2: like some assurances on his injury and role. Yeah. like if they don't use him, that would be so weird. Anyway, we'll we'll see. I, I think Troutman could be good. I just got discouraged by the Juwan Johnson talk. I guess.
1: Yeah. No, that that's fair. And Juwan Johnson, what was a five star recruit long long ago?
2: <laughs> yeah, he's like a poor man's ricky seals jones oh gotta, man gotta build around him love I, that you am not buying the Juwan johnson hype exactly <laughs> okay
1: um and then uh looking elsewhere some some other guys that that went for similar or even less uh so callaway ended up going for a buck more than chase claypool um and and three dollars more um than one kenny galladay who went for eight
2: yeah i wanted to get galladay i I know that, uh, the giants are going to be ugly as hell. And I hate Daniel. I don't hate Daniel, as a, as a prospect. I hate Daniel Jones as much as anybody else, but Galladay is one of those guys. who's like, as long as the quarterback chucks it at him, he'll, he'll probably be pretty productive and they need to chuck it at him as much as they can basically to get some semblance of value out of that contract. So, uh, can't hit the broad side of a barn maybe, but I'm, I'm hoping Kenny Galladay can, uh, still reel in a few of, jones's downfield chucks this year and uh claypool more egregious yet i mean i like callaway it's 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 probably not going to be a buy that like hurts the team that paid for him but uh um of it's, course, it's more
1: like we... a, sh- a shame on the room as yeah. a whole yeah
2: yeah i mean if i hadn't mismanaged my funds apparently i could have done my part to correct some of these prices but i i couldn't because i didn't have the money to uh push my luck that way yep it's just it's uh to quote uh, so they pull the, a big steal though. That's, that's way too cheap on him
1: to quote Ray from uh, trailer park boys. It's the way she goes, bud. So the way she goes, it's the freaking way she goes, but uh, that's going to round things out uh, for this week or this Thursday edition of the road War, uh, NFL podcast tomorrow. I got to say your hat does look very clean. I know we talked about um, the uh, you had it uh, in the, in the wash when we recorded last week so yeah I had good, to wash by it the way the,
2: the detergent got lodged in it the first time and uh, <laughs> i put it on and started to feel soapy before i realized oh no it. no no can not have that yeah <laughs> well it, it looks pristine now we're ready it, you... we're ready to post we're ready to pod it's it's locked in Let's until go. next until i wash it next year so if,
1: you, if you're listening only uh via audio check out the youtube that the hat. Does look phenomenal. Don't look at
2: the Brewers logo if it's going to frighten you. It's still a football podcast.
1: True, true. No, that's that important to get that out there um, as well. But again, that is going to do it for this edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet, Andrew Laird and Scott Genstad. We'll be rocking it out on Friday, and then Liz and Jeff back on Monday. Thanks for listening.
0: Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.